today we're continuing on our series, Winning the War. And we are in a war, and some of us realize it more uh, at certain times than others, certainly. But today we're focusing on the shield of faith found in Ephesians chapter 6, the listing of the spiritual armor of God. We talked about the belt of truth buckled around our waist. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness that is to be in place. Our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then he says in chapter 6 of Ephesians verse 16, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Some of you know that I was in bakery sales for a number of years before I went into ministry, and I actually was in supervision for a little while, for a couple years. And I'll never forget, it was a normal morning and in the office, and we get a phone call from one of our accounts. It was a restaurant, and they said that there had been an explosion at the restaurant. And so I immediately took a truck up there and drove up there and when I got near the scene I saw the back end of the building in shambles. It was just a pile of rubble and my heart sank because they said our salesman was in the building and they couldn't find him. <laughs> and they finally found him and they took him to the hospital and I said there's no possible way he survived that explosion but he did. As a matter of fact, he only had a few scratches. And I thought, how in the world, because he was back in all that rubble, what had happened, the boiler had exploded, and the door to the room of the boiler landed on top of him and protected him from all the debris. All the bricks, all the flying debris, he was totally protected. It was, it was, a, it was a miracle. But, you know, I think about that, and I think in terms of what God has given us as believers in the shield of faith, that no matter what debris is flying around us, and there's going to be a lot of it, God has given us this shield of faith, which is like a big rectangle. It's not the round gladiatorial shield, but it's a, it's a big rectangle that was covered with leather, and often the leather was dipped in some type of liquid so that when the flaming arrow would hit the, the shield, it would extinguish that flaming arrow. And that's what God has given to each of us. In the 1970s to the 90s, some of you will recognize a well-known commercial that was on television promoting the American Express card and the American traveler's checks. And there was one line in the, in the slogan of their commercial that became really one of the most famous lines of any commercials. And they would say this at the end, don't leave home without them. That was their line, don't leave home without them. The American Express card, don't leave home without them. And I think in terms of that, that we should not be leaving home without our shield of faith. Um because it is dangerous to do so. If we walk out the door with our shield of faith, we walk out the door with confidence. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out the door, but we know we're covered and protected with the shield of faith. And so I want to take a few moments and 
tell us why we need the shield of faith. Why do we need the shield of faith? Well, we look at the description of Satan's fiery darts. So let's take a moment and look at those. There's four ways that Satan's darts fly at us. And we'll just look at them briefly, each one. The first one is they fly strategically. He knows where to aim, and he knows when to aim, and he knows when to pull the string back and let the flaming arrow fly. And they always fly in one of three areas. Always one of three areas. Guaranteed, it will be one of these areas. Because it comes from 1 John 2.16. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man... The lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. Satan will shoot one of his flaming arrows with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. People who put a lot of stock in thinking about themselves, talking about themselves, placing a higher value on things of this world rather than spiritual and eternal things. Dr. Carl Menninger wrote in What Became of Sin, he reminded us that vanity, egocentricity, arrogance, self-adoration, selfishness, and self-love are really synonyms for pride. Theologically, pride asserts itself in the pride of power, knowledge, and virtue. Bertrand Russell, in writing in a new social analysis, he said, every man would like to be God if it were possible. Some few find it difficult to admit the impossibility. <laughs> I think it's so true. The cravings of sinful man. In Ephesians 2, 3, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. All of these desires. For instance, man's passion for possessions. If it is not kept by godly boundaries, man becomes covetous and envious, and if those arrows are not blocked by the shield of faith, they will grow into someone engaging in illegal activity like theft or hurting someone to take something from them that you want for yourself. We see this in the world all the time. How about passion for intimacy? It will be inflamed with ungodly thoughts and activity if he or she does not put the fiery darts out with the shield of faith. Our passion for food, something as simple as food that we are to delight and enjoy, and I love food, and I'm sure you do too. But it will be unhealthy unless the flaming darts are extinguished with the shield of faith that we control our appetites. Our passion for fame or popularity, we want to be recognized, we want to get significance, we want to be noticed, congratulated, awarded. But if we have to be so careful because the enemy wants to use those to attack us. So they fly strategically. We can see those in all those areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Secondly, they fly swiftly. Eve's conversation in the garden with the serpent, Satan did not waste time planting thoughts in Eve's mind to lead her away from Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, 3, 
Paul says, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And we saw that with the Israelites when they went into Egyptian bondage. And not soon, and, and after 400 years, God delivers them, and they are engaged in immorality and idolatry. Soon after they're delivered. Just as quickly as a tornado can rip through a town, destroying everything in its path, Satan can just as quickly aim and shoot a pointed dart in an attempt to cause injury to our faith. Now, what are these darts designed to do? Injure our faith. But let me say a couple things specifically. They are designed to block our vision of God's greatness. We were singing about the greatness of God this morning. They are designed to block our vision of the greatness of God. When I see someone who gets down on God or down on their life, they've lost their focus of the greatness of God. He wants us to downsize the divine, to downsize the divine attributes of God. They are also designed to question God's promises. When you begin to question the promises of God, that is attacking your faith in the very God we say we believe in. You see, the children of Israel began to question the promises of God. We all have a tendency to put God in a box with a clock. God, here's my clock. Here's my agenda. I need you to work within the framework of my schedule. And before we know it, we dictate to God how our day should go, how our lives should go, what should happen to me, for me, around me. It's about me. If God really loved me, why would he let this happen to me? That's a challenge to our faith. If God really cares about me, why would he allow this person to hurt me? If God really wants me to grow in my faith, why does he bring circumstances into my life to cause me to doubt his goodness? If faith is supposed to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, why do I seem to get hit by so many flaming arrows by the enemy? They're also designed to cast doubt concerning God's resources. When we begin to doubt the resources of God, we stop giving to God like we should. We withhold from him. Well, you know, I can't afford to pay a tithe. Can't afford to do that. I mean, the resources are kind of tight. It's a test to your faith. If you're going to honor the Lord with your giving. Thirdly, they fly secretly as well. Below the radar. A man shared his experience of living in St. Petersburg, Florida. His family went to the beach. He said, it was always hard to relax and have a good time with our children, though because there were too many threats, jellyfish, stingrays, sharks, and undertow. But he said one time they had some relatives who came to St. Petersburg and they brought their boat with them. And they decided to go to an island a couple miles offshore called Egmont Key. We had a great time, he said, because we didn't think we had to worry about the normal threats. The water was blue, the sand was white. We swam with our children carefree in the Gulf of Mexico. 
few days later, he says, we were telling some of our friends about our wonderful day. Being more familiar with the area, they informed us that we had been swimming in one of the most shark-infested areas around. We were in danger, but completely oblivious to it. And I think about how many people walk out the door without their shield of faith, completely oblivious to the flaming arrows around them, and totally unprotected, not knowing that Satan is pointing the bow and the arrow at their heart. We can even see that with David and Bathsheba, can't we? There he was, innocently, out on the rooftop, and all of a sudden, Satan points his arrow and shoots. That's the way he operates. We cannot predict when he's going to unleash a fiery dart of us. He wants to catch us off guard. Look for areas of weakness in our lives. Fourthly, they fly sequentially. You know, they keep coming one after another. It's not just one and done. They keep coming again and again and again. And I'll just quickly mention, I think we even talked about it a few weeks ago, about the life of Job. He went through a series of fiery darts one after another. Job lost his oxen. We could say his big tractors. His donkeys and his employees were killed. His sheep were burned up and the employees overseeing them. That was the second fiery dart. The third fiery dart, he lost his camels and more employees. The fourth fiery dart, his sons and daughters were killed in a windstorm. It keeps coming and coming, and sometimes you feel this barrage. You've got to keep the shield up. You have to keep it up because the enemy is not going to stop firing. Well, let's look at what the shield of faith does, why we need it. The shield of faith protects us against the enemies of God. It protects us. Statistics alone demonstrate the centrality of faith and trust in Christ. In Paul's writings alone, he uses the word faith 142 times to show how important it is. And the verb believe 54 times. So in Paul's writings, nearly close to 200 times, he refers to this idea of faith and believe. For Paul to be a Christian meant to believe. It's the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of our life to believe. The word believe is used in the Gospel of John 98 times. In Acts, we see the same kind of significance. Let me just give you an example in Acts. In Acts 4.4, 4, it says, Many of those who heard the message believed. In Acts 8.12, they believed Philip as he preached the good news. In Acts 9.42, many believed in the Lord. In Acts 11.17, we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 13, 39, everyone who believes in him is justified. Faith, belief, and trust are characteristics of Christians. Salvation is to everyone who believes and those who believe in the gospel he proclaimed. So how do we defeat the enemies? Well, let's just look at some how they did it. David defeated Goliath. Joseph defeated immorality. Daniel defeated false accusations. Nehemiah defeated discouragement. Jesus defeated temptation with the shield of faith. 
that enables us to walk with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our faith is so important. Thirdly, the shield of faith empowers me to obey the truth. If I have faith, if I say I believe, the result of that is obedience. I'm reminded of this story, and I'm sure many of you have heard this story before, but I think it bears repeating. A man slipped and fell off a cliff while he was hiking on a mountaintop, and luckily as he was falling down over the cliff, he reached up and he grabbed a hold of a branch. And as he looked down, he was 1,500 feet below him was a pile of rocks, and he was 20 feet from the top, and so he decided to holler for help. Help! Help! Is anyone out there? A booming voice came back. Yes. He said, who is it? It's the Lord. Help me. He said, I will. Do you believe in me? I believe. I believe. He said, let go of the branch. He looked down again, 1,500 feet, looked up. Is anybody else up there? <laughs> Isn't that what we do? When we get a message that we don't want. Well, you know, I want to obey God, but he's given me a message that I don't quite want to do. I don't quite want to fulfill that message. And yet he wants us to obey him. I like what the old Puritan John Owens from the 1600s, he said, we are justified by faith alone, that is true, but not by faith that is alone. Listen to that carefully. We are justified by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. He goes on to say, faith rests and receives Christ alone for right standing before God and obedience is a fruit of faith. If you say you have faith and you don't have obedience, you don't have faith. Because obedience is the natural outflow of faith. They go together. Faith causes obedience. Faith is a condition of justification. It's an instrument by which we are united with Christ, who is our righteousness. Look here at talking about Abraham in Romans 4.18. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. He believed God, and he obeyed God. Look at Hebrews 10. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while in the coming, one will come and will not delay. But notice what it says here, do not throw away your confidence. Now, why does he say that? Because some people do. They throw in the towel. They throw away their confidence instead of trusting God. 
The shield of faith also encourages me in Christian fellowship. It encourages me in Christian fellowship. Faith is the key to overcoming the world. He says in 1 John 5, 4, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Let me suggest some things that we overcome with our faith. Faith is the key to overcoming lust. If you have a lust problem, faith is the key to overcoming lust. It absolutely is. Because you can't put your confidence in the flesh. You have to put it in the Lord, not in yourself. It is the key to overcoming lies. It is the key to overcoming defeat. Faith is the key to overcoming discouragement, overcoming conflict, overcoming addiction, overcoming inconsistency, overcoming dishonesty, overcoming failure, overcoming hardship, overcoming condemnation, where you belittle yourself, condemn yourself, beat yourself up. Faith is the key to overcoming all those barriers. The shield of faith compels me to be with God's people in Christian fellowship. People of like-minded faith. People who desire to walk with God. Now remember, when we talk about the spiritual armor, it is not an individual thing. It is and it isn't. Yes, we put on the spiritual armor of God individually, but we do it corporately. And especially when you talk about the shield of faith, because the shield of faith was a big rectangle that was also beveled, and they would actually lock together on the edges. The shields would lock together, and the Roman army would lock those shields together, and they would move forward as a wall together corporately. And they were invincible when they held those shields up, and they walked together as a wall. The church of Jesus Christ is invincible when we lock shields together, and we walk together to please the Lord. Ruth Graham Bell, Ruth Bell Graham, I should say, tells a story about her growing up days in China where her father was a missionary physician. The business manager at the local hospital told about a jolly gentleman named Mr. Kyo Er. One day as he attended prayer meeting, bandits broke into his house and kidnapped his two children, ages eight, his son, and a baby daughter. As word spread, the local Christians and missionaries gathered in earnest prayer. Never one to miss an opportunity to witness, Mr. Kyo Er had a large sign painted and posted in front of the hospital gate. It said, in effect, the bandits have kidnapped our children and have demanded a thousand. What's the uh, word for the currency in China? I, what is it? Well, it was, it's Y-U-A-N, but when I tried to listen to pronunciation on the, the Internet, it didn't come out right or something. I don't know. I couldn't make it out. But anyhow, that's what they demanded, a thousand, whatever the currency is in China. He says, I'm not a wealthy man. I can't pay a thousand. He said, I can't even pay 500. I can't even pay 50. But he says, but I believe God. If it is his will... He is able to bring my children back without any 
ransom. Passers-by were amazed by his message, and it was wise, widely expected that the children would be quickly killed. Weeks passed, and in the course of time, a band of soldiers broke in upon the hive of bandits. As they pursued them, they heard a sound from the ditch beside the road. One soldier stopped to look, and there he found a skeleton-like child lying in the ditch where the bandits had hastily thrown him. It was Mr. Kyle Err's son. He had been imprisoned under a large overturned vessel and was on the brink of starvation. But he was alive and recovered. What about the baby girl? Later, there was another battle between the bandits and the soldiers. This time, the wife of the bandit chief was captured, and she was found nursing two babies, not twins, too near in age to be both her own. The daughter, too, was returned to her parents. Ruth Graham recalls sitting one Sunday in the little gray brick Chinese church. She said, I watched Mr. K.O. Er carrying his still too weak to walk son and his wife carrying the now healthy chubby baby girl walked forward to publicly give thanks to God and dedicate both his children to the Lord. Putting our faith and trust in the Lord. And when we cannot see the outcome, to be able to trust the Lord for what he wants to do in our lives. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. As you do, let me ask you a question. How are you doing with the flaming darts of the enemy? The lust of the flesh? The lust of the eyes? The pride of life? It's something we all battle. Anybody with a pulse battles it. But the key, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Do you have genuine faith? Do you genuinely believe? If the answer is yes, then you have genuine obedience to do what he says. It just flows out that you want to please the Father. Without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. So the key to pleasing God is our faith. Putting our faith and trust in Him. And therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So it's not a question of if the arrows are going to fly, but when, and how we're going to respond to it. How are we going to respond to those flaming arrows? Do, do we have that shield of faith? Do we walk out with it every day out the door of our house because the arrows are coming? We are in a war. And corporately, we can lock those shields together. But what about when you're by yourself? Is your shield of faith up when you're on the Internet? Is your shield of faith up when you're doing social media? Is your shield of faith up when you're around coworkers who don't have the conviction of Christians? 
that's when we show the reality of our faith. It's not what we do necessarily in church. It's what we do when we walk out. It's what we do when we're in our homes. For me, it's at 1966 Maple Drive. <laughs> Is my shield of faith operating there? Is it operating when I go out into the marketplace? Because if it doesn't operate there, then I don't have it. Do you have a genuine faith in God? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross? We are justified by faith, by our faith, putting our trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin. It's not going to church. It's not turning over new leaf. It's not doing good things. It's saying, God, I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm helpless apart from your grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. That not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that none of us can boast. If you don't have a personal faith in Jesus Christ, teenager, I'm talking about your faith, not your mom and dad's. Do you dress yourself, teenager? I don't mean physically. Do you dress yourself spiritually? When you're a toddler, you need mom and dad's help to get dressed. When we're a teenager, we dress ourselves. We need to dress ourselves spiritually as well. May God help us. We have the shield of faith. We need to use it. It's our defense against the enemy. If you have questions about your eternal destiny, whether or not you have a personal relationship with Jesus that you would like one, we'd be glad to pray with you. Please see me after the service. Wait, talk to me. Don't leave. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.